Good morning. I'm glad you're here with us uh, this morning. I'm Nathan, one of the pastors here at St. John's. And we're supposed to do a baptism of our Lord Sunday. And I like those texts because of, of what they allude to. Uh, we're supposed to read Genesis 1, which is, of course, the, the beginning of God's great big story. And I like the beginning of stories because they're filled uh, with anticipation and excitement and hope. And, and so God starts writing his story in history through the prophets. And then we're supposed to read Mark 1. And in Mark 1, God picks up the story again. And this time he's writing the story not with ink and through prophets, but through his son Jesus. And then we're also supposed to read Romans 6, chapter, or verses 1 through 10. And in, in verses 1 through 10, we see God writing the story again, this time not in his son, but in our hearts and lives. And so these texts made me think of stories. I love stories. Stories are, are great. They're fantastic. They have this way of, of pulling us in. And so as I, I thought about this, I thought, what is it that gets us so wound up, so engaged in stories, so invested in stories, that sometimes we get mad at the screen when something doesn't go the way that we think it should? Has anybody else out there yelled at the screen in a movie theater? If I were to say, in a galaxy... Long ago, far, far away, you guys would say, Star Wars. I love those movies. The, the original ones, not the other ones. Um, but more than that, I love Lord of the Rings. And I remember I got the box set of uh, The Hobbit and uh, Fellowship of the Ring, The Two Towers, and The Return of the King. I got the box set, and I remember it sat on my shelf for a while, as often books do. And then I picked them up. And in the process of about two weeks, I read all four books, which means basically for two weeks, I did nothing else other than read these books every waking moment of my life. That was during school. Students don't do that. But they, they engage us, they grab us, they, they grab a hold of us, and it's something about those fantasy stories that I particularly love. And when I say fantasy, I'm talking about the stories that have happy endings. There's something in us that, that loves that. And in spite of the fact that we live in a culture that says that those fantasy stories, that's inferior art. Because that does not resemble real life. And so what critics would say is that stories should be worked with frustration and paradox and futility, and those are true art. And yet those fantasy movies, those ones are by far the most popular. The ones that people watch again and again, the ones that, that people go out to the theaters and see. Those are the ones that, that attract us. And so I started asking the question, what is it about those stories that are so engaging? That create this thing in us. Uh, for example, Sleeping Beauty. What is it about Sleeping Beauty that makes us love that story? Perhaps it's the idea that you're not just, you're not dead, but you're under a spell and you're waiting for someone to come and wake you up. Or what about Beauty and the Beast, another one of those great Disney classics? What about that story is so compelling? Perhaps it's the idea that, that sacrificial love always and completely transforms. See, I think there's in us something that said there, there must be a love that brings an end to death. There must be 
a way to live forever. There must be a way to live without parting. There must be something more, something greater, something more powerful than the things that we see and the futility that we we face in life. And so that's where our text comes in for today, where Jesus himself invites us into the story. And in this text, we find that that this story isn't just another story, isn't another great legend, but it is the story, the story to which all other stories point. We're in John uh, chapter 1, beginning at verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee, finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip went and found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. In this text, hidden in there, Jesus makes the most incredible claim about his story, about who he is and and what he's come to do. But, But before we get there, it's an invitation. It's an invitation to you and me to come and see, to come and see Jesus. And I think that sometimes we forget that. Uh, we forget the treasure that we hold in our hands in God's Word. Uh, when I first got here, we were having the great translation debate of St. John's. And we decided that we couldn't use the SV because there are certain ways that they translated things that they didn't pay attention to colloquialisms and things just don't come out right sometimes in there. And so we were back and forth between all these different translations. And we're debating about which Bible we should read. And at the same time, we're debating that. I had the privilege last week of having uh, lunch with a missionary that's headed to uh, Papua New Guinea. And at the same time that this was happening, uh, the Kimyala people in Papua, Indonesia, were receiving God's word for the first time. Uh, they become Christians long ago, but hadn't been able to read God's word in their own language. And so I want to share this video with you now.
I love that prayer. I love that prayer because it reminds us what a treasure we have in our hands. The opportunity to see Jesus. So it's an invitation for us to come and read, to come and see Jesus, uh, to come and critically read his word and come with our questions, to come with our doubts. And notice what what it is. It's come and see. It's not come and you have to believe and accept everything right off the go. Rather, come and see. Investigate it for yourself. When he says come and see, he's also saying follow and see. Christianity is one of these things that you can't leave it on a table and study it like a philosophy. Rather, it's something that is meant to be ingrained in our lives, worked into the fabric of our lives. And so you can't do with Christianity what you can do with philosophy or practice or even studies in school where you say, I don't know about that. Rather, Jesus challenges us to follow. I think it's kind of like this. Uh, one of my shows, uh, a couple of guys are going for a football tryout. And uh, coach says, all right, time for hitting drill. One of the guys that shows, well, hitting's not really my thing, coach. And to which he responds, spoken like a true champion. You'll make the team, which is, of course, facetious. Because you're not going to understand what football is about without hitting, right? It's kind of like the main thing in football, like people run into each other. It's kind of what it is with Christianity. Unless you apply it to your life, unless you look at it and really wrestle with what God says about who you are and how he's made you and and what your life is supposed to look like, you're not going to get it. Because if you come to Scripture and you say, well, I like this and I don't like that and I'm not sure about this, what are you really doing? You're following yourself with Bible camouflage. Come, come and see is an invitation to follow and see. And follow and see is to see what what God does in your life through the power of his word. Come and see is an invitation to come with friends. Uh, You notice in this text and, and in the text before it, it's not ever just a me and Jesus thing. It's always a me and other people in Jesus thing. This last week I was reading an article where some people were in translating the Bible and they came up with some crazy things. And I kind of looked back and did a little more digging and it's, well, it's because they're not reading the Bible connected with the church. They're not reading it in line with the way it's been read for thousands of years. And so of course you can find some crazy things because you're reading yourself and seeing in the text what you want to see rather than what it says. 
See, Andrew, in the text before, hears about the Messiah, and he goes and finds his brother Simon. In our text, Philip hears about Jesus, and he goes and finds Nathaniel. Come and see is an invitation to come and follow with friends, to process with friends, to dig into it with friends. Because you know how it goes in relationships, right? There's always something new to learn about somebody and when that's case, the case with us as people, how much more true of it is of God? I particularly like hanging out with my dad's brothers. Three brothers, you can guess the kind of trouble they got into. And every time I get together with Uncle Bob and Uncle Tom, and dad's just kind of out of earshot, I always start hearing these stories. These stories that I kind of go, huh, that makes sense. And I would think, you know, I know my dad, right? I spent like almost 20 years living in a house with this man, and I'm hearing things that I didn't know from his brothers. How much more is that true of the Son of God? We need other people to, to get the full idea of who Jesus is and what he has to offer us. And if you're here, a lot of us have been around here for a while, and so maybe you don't need friends, but a lot of you have a lot to offer, uh, to be a friend for Jesus, to be a friend in the name of Jesus so that somebody can get to know Jesus better. It's one of the things that I easily forget about as a pastor because I have my assigned seat right down front here, and it's very easy to kind of fall into the rhythm. But yesterday, I went to Linda Warnicke's funeral and walked in and thought, not here with my wife or my kids or a friend. Where do I sit? And I got a little bit of a taste of, of how intimidating it can be for someone walking in a church that doesn't feel like this is home. And I think we get a little picture of, of what it can look like to be a friend for Jesus. Because Nathaniel asks a really great question marked with sarcasm, which is something that we would expect of someone that is far from Jesus in this day and age. And it's one of the worst possible questions because it's spot on. Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? Now, what he's alluding to is the fact that everybody knew that the Messiah was supposed to come from Bethlehem. So how can he come from Nazareth? What's going on here? And we see that God is patient, that Philip is patient, and that he has confident humility because he doesn't defend he doesn't say well this is how it is and I think that's assuring for us not to know that we have to have all the right answers rather he simply says come and see in other words you've got a great question and I've got no idea come and see not come and you have to believe and accept everything, but come. Come and check it out. And so that's why I would challenge you uh, to those people in your life. Or maybe you're one of those people. Invite someone with the simple words of, of come and see. Come and check it out. You don't have to believe it all. You don't have to accept it all. But, but come and see what this story is all about. Be a friend to someone else for Jesus. And finally, come and see is come and wonder. 
In other words, you have no idea what you will become by his love, how he will transform you by his grace and his love worked out in your life. All of you who are married know this, right? You get married and you change. You become a different person. And in my life, the big part of it is the love and forgiveness that my wife gives me that helps me to become a better person, to become who God made me to be. So how much more will the amazing love of Jesus Christ transform us? The end of our text When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were under the fig tree before Philip called you. And I love what the commentators try and do as they try and figure out what's going on here. Because the truth is nobody really knows. Nobody knows exactly what happened there, exactly to what Jesus was alluding to, except Nathanael. Nathaniel knew exactly what Jesus was talking about. And it was something so private and so personal that, that Nathaniel, it said, oh my goodness, you really know me. And more than that, you really care about me. And then he alludes to a biblical story that, that everybody would have known. He said, Jesus said, you believe because I told you, you saw, I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly, I, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Here Jesus is alluding to, to a story of one of the patriarchs, the story of Jacob and Jacob's ladder, where, where Jacob is literally running for his life, and he falls asleep on a rock out in the wilderness, and, and he has this dream, this dream of this ladder, and angels coming down from God, and angels going up to God. And he wakes up and realizes that it wasn't just a dream. It was a promise. It was something that, that was yet to come. And Jesus, by repeating this story, by saying this story of himself, he's saying that all of those stories, all of those stories in the Bible are ultimately about me. All the stories are about me. There is a love that will conquer death. There is a way to live forever. There is a way to love without parting. There is a way... To wake up. There is a way that sacrificial love transforms everything. Jesus is saying, my story, the story of my birth, of my life, of my death, of my resurrection, isn't one more story. It's the story. It's the story that will transform you. It's the story that changes the world. It is the story, the ultimate story that is behind the world, the one that everything else points back to and circles around. So the question is, how do I get in? Okay, study the word. Okay, change my life. Okay, tell friends. But no, that's not the key. Not that those aren't good things that you and I as disciples of Jesus are called to do. Because who can ascend the ladder? Psalm 15 says, He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Jesus says something incredible. You will see 
the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. In other words, I'm the ladder. I'm the way into the story. I am the key. Come and see is an invitation to enter into the story through the love and grace of Jesus Christ. Come and see is an invitation to come and wonder and be amazed at the grace of Jesus Christ. He's laughing. He's so excited to show you his grace and his love. Amen.